0: Have you ever thought about what it takes to be able to report in severe and drastic weather conditions? I'm talking about in the middle of hurricanes, winter storms, thunderstorms, tornadoes. Well, today I get to talk to who may be Taylor Swift's favorite meteorologist, Tevin Wooten. He is a former meteorologist at The Weather Channel and now currently at NBC10. He shares with us his life as a meteorologist while he's on the field, in the studio, and at home, and how fitness plays an important role while he's in all three of those elements. More specifically, while he's in the middle of reporting during severe storms where anything can happen, he shares with us how they plan, how they mitigate, and how they follow through with a successful reporting of some of these storms. He also shares with us things that pilots and meteorologists relate to in his lifestyle while he's on the road, which is very similar, if not more intense, than one of a pilot. Here we go, Ted Wooten, ladies and gentlemen, Enjoy. Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by BJ Clean. Look, it's already bad enough that the majority of the foods that we find out there have chemicals and preservatives, so why would we do that to her hair and skin as well? I trust BJ Clean because they don't have any of those harsh chemicals, no parabens, no sulfates, and it's fighter pilot and veteran owned. Everything's made here in the United States, which is super awesome, and a portion of each sale of their products is given to first responders and veterans as well. I personally use the jet wash and the firepower. They have natural ingredients like mint, eucalyptus, aloe, caffeine, mint, and pepper. This gets me, after my morning routine, feeling out of the shower like I can conquer the world. I wouldn't be mentioning it if I didn't think it was that great, if it's good for you, and if it's from badass fighter pilots that are creating a badass product. So use Fit15. Go to bejetclean.com to get a nice discount. Fit15, and here's the episode. Hey, Tevin, thank you so much for joining here, the Fit Aviators Club podcast, man. I am so excited to have you on finally. We've been talking about this for a while and um how you doing man oh i'm doing
1: great i'm doing great yeah we've been trying to get this set up for what almost it literally feels like two years now
0: (laughs) it probably has been right 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 i'm just really glad that we're able to do it so um i think it's is it safe to say that you may be taylor swift's favorite meteorologist
1: i i hope that's the that's the uh that's the right statement i think
0: so yeah, dude, tell me about that. How did that even? <laughs> so there's this viral video that just went out, right? And you were I guess using... you got to let the
1: people know, fill them in.
0: Yeah, we gotta we gotta let them know. So this this video came out. Timothy Wood was reporting about uh you know just the weather in a specific day, and he used certain words from her new album that that uh, correlated with the weather. I thought that was genius. Is that how it went?
1: Yeah. So basically, uh, I was driving into work.
0: And it was the day before the Midnight's
1: album was released, and so I'm like, how can I include this in my forecast? It was a calm weather day, so it, I wasn't doing it, you know, at the risk of severe weather or anything like that. First and foremost, uh, because my job is important, and I understand that. But uh, we get to we get, we like to have a little fun sometimes too. And so <laughs> I was driving in, and I'm like, how can I work not just her album titles into my forecast? But I did it in order and the real swifties recognize that
0: nice oh nice dude so she's she's probably your
1: favorite uh i think so i she's definitely my top five i know so (laughs) yeah it 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 constantly changes between like coldplay beyonce and then taylor swift and then maybe a little uh i don't know stevie wonder in there sometimes too so very eclectic
0: depending on the time of the year you yeah know, the time of the yeah. day whatever <laughs> josh roman's
1: also up there too as well oh Cheers.
0: nice <laughs> right on right on dude that was awesome the fact that you you were able to like do all of this within one night's notice you know you just you, you're so creative in that way that's really cool yeah i it
1: well, it really happened in like 15 minutes. Um, like <laughs> the drive into work is about 40. And I think as I was making the last turn into the studio parking lot, I'm like, okay, I think I can figure this one out. Um, it, and a lot of her song titles have some sort of weather uh, hint to it. So that made it a little bit easier. And then my job too is not just talking about stats and numbers, but it's also relating the forecast to what people experience. Um, and that in and of itself is sort of like songwriting too. You're relating one person's experience to millions and millions of people, which is what Taylor Swift does every day.
0: That's incredible. You have a fantastic mind for that. I thought that was that was really, really cool. Even Mario Lopez was like, hey, yeah. dude, check this out.
1: <laughs> that may have been the second cool thing to come out of that. I did an interview for uh, uh, Access Hollywood and Mario Lopez like got to tell my story in a very succinct way, but uh, still pretty cool to get that shout out from him. Like Mario Lopez might be the most celebrity, the highest celebrity celebrity who's ever said my name. If that makes sense,
0: absolutely. Oh my god, that's awesome. That's really cool. So I think now our audience understands that your your profession, which is you know being a meteorologist. You you previously were at the um, at the weather channel where you were reporting and and I actually saw you. I remember when I was flying, uh, I can't remember. I think I was in Norfolk and I, I was working out dude. And then there was some severe weather happening, probably some hurricane going somewhere. And I'm like, yo, that's Tevin. Tevin." (laughs) (laughs) Really, really cool. Um, but now you're actually a meteorologist for, for NBC studios in, um, in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's really cool, man. It's such a, a great experience to, you know, growing up, I, you know, watch the Weather Channel to try to stay informed as much as I can. Even still nowadays, just to to uh, to, uh, or when we're flying, just to kind of expect, hey, what kind of weather are we going to have the next couple of days? Um, but in this new role that you have now with NBC in Boston, it's more of a local kind of kind of uh, reporting. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. I, in the Weather Channel, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's where a lot of people still get their weather from, be it an app or on TV. You're talking about being a pilot. Obviously, you need to know the weather. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and we, while I was at the Weather Channel, that was one thing top of mind for everyone is how can we get someone that's a pilot or construction worker or school teacher their forecasts And you have to do it, again, in a very succinct way. Uh, now, my new role in Boston is still, first and foremost, meteorology. Uh, but I'm talking to a specific area now, at least on TV, there's one audience. Online, there's a much larger audience. Um, and, and that's where I still enjoy uh, the heavy lift in my work is not just what I do on TV. I think what I do on TV is now baseline. And what we do as meteorologists online and uh, through apps and things, we have a channel on Peacock We're on Roku or online. All of those platforms as well, we have to feed all of that too. So there are multiple different channels and avenues to, to get the information out. And sometimes it's severe weather and winter storms. And other times it's, you know, little science segments that I like to do and communicate as well. But I, it's really cool to communicate the science. People are so sometimes frightened of weather, be it thunderstorms or hurricanes. But these are all intricacies that you could teach, A, and then prepare for, B, uh, for the safety element too.
0: That's incredible. I think from the standpoint of education, not just relating information, uh, you know, I follow you on on social media, your Instagram. What's your hand? What's your handle again? It's T. Wooten. Uh, at Tevin Wooten. Yep. At just Tevin my,
1: Wooten. On, I think every platform is that. T, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that.
0: Yeah. So I've been, you know, I've been, we've been following each other for a while and uh, I love the educational posts that you make sometimes with either at schools or you're just teaching kids on or like little science projects that just get people to understand the basics. And I think that goes so much farther and beyond than just like throwing information out there because people can throw information out there and without understanding the basic or the general concept of something, it may mean not nothing to them, you know? So I think that's really cool. yeah. I-
1: a forecast is only as good as it's communicated. I could give you the most 100% verified, correct forecast possible, which does happen, by the way, more <laughs> often than not for meteorologists. I could yeah. give you that information, but if you don't understand it, you might as well throw it in the, in the trash or in the garbage. Right. Um, and, and so right. that communication element and that comprehension element is very important. Um, right. I Take my job seriously, so I don't like to have too much fun when I can't have fun. But when I can't have fun, I do.
0: It's like uh, the 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 way I can relate it to pilots too. It's also you know when we go through flight training, we one of the initial things to learn is how to read a METAR or a TAF, and those are those are basically weather reports that are given every hour. Or the TAF is a terminal area forecast, I think it is. Yeah, which uh, gets you know, given every four hours, six times a day, or every six hours, four times a day. I can't remember. Flight <laughs> school was a long time ago. <laughs> I was just going
1: to say, we work so much that it just runs together.
0: Right. I just know what to look at. And I know it's for the whole day, whatever. But when we first learn how to fly, we are, we have to know how to decode these weather things. And not also, not also for uh, METARs and tasks, but also we have uh, pilot reports. We have area forecasts. We get to learn how to analyze all these surface analysis charts, yeah. weather depiction charts. That was that was probably the toughest toughest time for me. Like <laughs> weather charts, like knowing all these little symbols, winds aloft, where it's coming from, how many. Oh, dude, that was. I was like, damn, this is so much, but it's so interesting because weather affects us in every single possible way. Man, it's it's nonstop. It's always something happening. It impacts
1: all of us in a different way, but it impacts all of us. And it's so crazy how intertwined our jobs are. I still look at aviation weather as I'm in the office every single day because you as a pilot may see something before satellites pick it up. Or at the very least, if you know where there are zones of turbulence, that then helps us forecast where there may be some sort of uh, upward or downward motion in the atmosphere to hint at that turbulence, depending on what type of uh, turbulence it is. So it's just really intertwined, at least from a weather standpoint as a meteorologist and a weather standpoint as a pilot flying through the little literal weather.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's kind of cool now. We have uh, in the airline that I fly for, we have – and a lot of major airlines have this. It's an application on our iPad where uh, we can log into the airplane's Wi-Fi and then uh, it's constantly downloading all this weather stuff for us. But it's basically – a rep is a pilot report and it's basically given to us like, Hey, this, this aircraft went through here. It's giving us like what altitude, what kind of aircraft it was, what kind of weather conditions went through or that the airplane went through. Well, now it's in our, in our iPad, dude. And it's like, all this turbulence as it goes and like we see our route, we see where the turbulence happen. We know we kind of have a better idea what's coming. Obviously, we can't know when every single type of turbulence is going to happen. Like, but this app allows us to be able to have a better understanding. If a plane went through a little bit of turbulence, they will, they will, it, it, the app will actually record it and then it'll show up in everybody else's application. So I think that's technology with weather is becoming so like more into like Hands on for people that don't
1: understand turbulence, it's just a bump in the road, basically. So, like if you're going down, I don't know, I ninety five, and you see a zone where maybe it's not as paved or as smooth, that's your turbulence. Just thirty thousand feet in the sky,
0: exactly. Same. It's a that's a perfect description of of turbulence. You know, I like to tell people it is just a, you know, for airplane to have good lift, it needs a smooth airflow over the wings and below the wings and whenever that airflow is interrupted whether changing wind direction or changing velocity or maybe there's convection convection is just like you know particles moving up and down uh that airflow gets disrupted and you know there's a little bump on the road that's exactly (laughs) it you know sometimes it's a little worse than
1: I, i don't too much mind it i i've flown a lot be at uh NBC in Boston, I really I flew more for the weather channel when I was there, uh two or three, or maybe sometimes four or five times a month, depending on the season. Yeah. It was nothing uh I like roller coasters yeah. too, so I chase
0: hurricanes for a reason.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, uh pilots we, we try our best obviously to stay out of that. we don't want our passengers to be going through. We don't want to be going through that. Like that's unnecessary. But there are some times where we just you know, clear air turbulence, it's something that a lot of people just don't, don't know about, and it can happen at any time, any moment, the severity, we don't know much of it, how it is. We can try to predict where's a jet stream, where's these changes of winds aloft, where's there a temperature inversion. Um, but even with having that, you just never know. You just never know with clear air turbulence. Um, I will say though, when I'm flying as a passenger and there's light turbulence, it kind of puts me to sleep. I don't know. Does it do the same for you? <laughs> No. By then, I'm probably
1: already asleep for a, for a different reason. But <laughs>
0: I feel you. I can feel we get you. the
1: passenger to 11A to sit down? please? <laughs> that's me.
0: <laughs> oh, that's too funny, man. So so this meteorology stuff is very, very interesting. What was the journey to become a meteorologist? And is, was this something that you always wanted to do?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't. I, I never went through like a hurricane when I was a kid. No tornado hit my house. Like this was not something that I had my sights set on. I have always been a science mind. I think science has really been the only thing, I've been, science and math have been the only thing that I was good at. <laughs> um, I was not an athlete in high school, nor in college. I became an athlete or athletic, if you will. Um, my initial degree path, I went to the University of Arkansas for uh, engineering. I had an internship the my senior year of high school with NASA. And Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to make lots of money. I get to college. The math and science were fine. But it was, I hate to say it, it was boring. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, not to say that the profession is boring, but I'm like, I don't think this is what I'm passionate about. It's not for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And, the, and there's nothing wrong with making that decision for people that are listening that are younger and maybe, or even older, that don't know what they're passionate about. Um, So I, by virtue of other reasons, I, in high school, for example, I did journalism with our, you know, school TV program and whatnot. So taking that and coupling that with science, the next best thing was meteorology. But the avenue to get there was even more difficult too, because I had already swapped from engineering to journalism. The school that I was at did not have uh, a meteorology program. So I had to finish my degree in journalism while interning in meteorology while then trying to get internships, more internships in meteorology, while then applying to schools to be meteorologists. So it's been sort of a, uh, a turbulent ride to, uh, to get to where I am.
0: You're good with that stuff, man. <laughs> and you're just too good with the relating things to everything, man. <laughs> and, well, that's
1: what life is. It, it, it's crazy how journeys will take you from one spot to the next to the next. So no matter how, I'm a huge planner. I carry a planner on paper every single day but no matter how much i plan there are still things that are unplanned that are out of my control and that's what life is essentially
0: um so yeah dude a very interesting uh you know journey to get to get to where you are so how did you um do you think that your journalism uh degree helped you uh, get ahead when you went to meteorology oh 10000%
1: um i for Someone to do this job well, as a meteorologist on TV specifically, yes, you have to know the math and science, but for what I do as a TV meteorologist, I'm not teaching you thermodynamics every single day. I am, though, conveying a complex concept in 20 seconds or less. So I have to understand it you know, on a way different level, but teach it at a lower level. And that's what journalism has really taught me to do when I went to school for journalism, when I worked as a journalist, as a reporter, as an anchor, as a film meteorologist, all those different things, I was working, taking much larger stories on different community events or different uh, initiatives and communities. I would sit at these meetings, what is it, city council meetings or whatever, for three or four hours, and you'd have two or three minutes to explain it. Um, or you're taking a large, you know, people aren't reading um Large paragraph stories like they used to in newspapers. So now you have to convey something simply. So journalism was an excellent uh, way, vessel, or avenue to to understanding and comprehending communication on a very intimate
0: level. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, uh, it's it's all about how you you get the information that you know, and then how does the listener receive that information, right? And, And 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 breaking it down in a way that people can relate is. It just it's just going to stick so much for the person to understand the concept and then make the best that they could do with them like later on, you know, and and that's
1: not just sorry to interrupt. That's not just in TV meteorology or journalism. It's in every aspect of life if you have a job anywhere you 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 have to present to your coworkers you have to talk in meetings to your coworkers and that's where communication steps in
0: that's uh that's very interesting it's really cool to to kind of know people's career paths and and to be able to share that with the audience because a lot of a lot of times people that are in high school they you know you think you have to have this set path already by the time, and that doesn't, you know, you can change your mind at any time. I, I remember when I was flight instructing, people wanted to become pilots when they were 50. You know, it's, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Dude. More power, yeah, yeah, do it. yeah. And um, it's just, you know, I, my route was, I, I always knew I wanted to be a pilot, but I still needed to have a background in, in a degree in something else. And, um, you know, I also started off with engineering. I did civil, and I kind of wanted to relate that to uh, aviation and possibly be civil engineer at Air Force. You did civil engineering? Dude. So did I. Oh, really? Dude, <laughs> it's crazy. You know how many people I've talked to that have done civil engineering?
1: <laughs> AutoCAD and Pro-E were my jam.
0: Oh, my God. Dude, I didn't even get that far because I, like, <laughs> I was I was, trying to play baseball in, in college, and I was like, yeah. you know, when they tell me all these classes that I got to take, I was like,
1: Calc you know. 1, Calc 2, Calc 3, differential dude. equations, which, by the way— those engineering math and science classes that you have to have mm-hmm. are the same the same math and science classes that we take as meteorologists.
0: So uh, I, do you apply that? Do you see yourself applying that every day, what you learned in Calc or no? No,
1: not not on the level that they teach it. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone's walking around doing that. Even as an engineer, you're not walking around doing that, uh, Derivatives, Yeah, or derivatives. <laughs> it, it, but to understand, again... How complex something is, and to know why computers work the way that they do, or to know how some forecast models work the way that they do—that all at some point was done by hand. So to understand the derivatives now, we have a computer to do it for us, but we know why. You know, we know why certain materials, when we do materials testing, we know what their stresses are, such that they will break at a certain point. Um, which obviously, as, as a pilot, you have to know about the materials of your aircraft. The, there's a certain
0: stress that they can take and can't take dude uh, that's uh that's pretty interesting a lot of the times too people are like yeah well we learn all this stuff in college and we don't ever use it, oh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, it's true but 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 you do uh, you, when you have an understanding of the things that you did learn maybe you can apply it in some other way later down in your career um so that's pretty cool. What's your What's your lifestyle like, man? Uh, I, I know at the, when you were at the Weather Channel, you were traveling a whole lot more. I was. Uh, you were, you, yeah, <laughs> I was. I remember. Like you, you know? I know. I was like, well, you might as well just try to get your pilot's license while you're doing all this stuff. <laughs> I wish I could. That'd be <laughs> and then, uh, so so when we were when we first started chatting, um, you know, uh, through social media, I, I do remember you were traveling a lot, and and we we started talking about you know fitness and how we do it to maintain it on the road. We actually started training and doing some of those, some of those exercises uh, through online. But, and I want to get to that a little bit later. But I first want to know what your lifestyle was like, because it, it's very similar, like how you said, to being a, an airline or, or some type of crew member. Yeah, it,
1: that side of life is a little bit different now, but I'll cover both. It, when I was with uh, TWC, we were traveling. Not, not only do you not know when you're traveling, you don't know how long you are traveling. Um, so you could say like, oh, you know, maybe this storm is going to be a two-day storm. However, if it has a two-week impact, you are going to be there for a long time. So you really have to prepare. I was a Boy Scout uh, when I was growing up. Well, I didn't reach the Boy Scout level or Eagle Scout level rather, but the, the basic premise was always be prepared. So I would pack essentially a trunk with... With everything in it, all the clothes that I would need for winter and summer. So even if I was traveling in one season, I could be shipped to another location. Um, Yeah, so you have to prepare for everything. And even after hurricanes, by the way, there are some cold fronts that come through. Things get cold at night. You don't have power, so you can't use heat. So you have to bring plenty of jackets. Um, But to talk about the fitness schedule, I traveled with uh, resistance bands. I just bought a set of those because, at the very least, that gives you some tension to to get some muscle. I would be out in the middle of in between live shots, as they're called. I would do different little workouts with. I remember taking my uh, resistance bands and wrapping them around the tire of the vehicle, so I could essentially do uh, uh, extensions or curls rather. So, wow, nice. Get in where you fit in was my motto then. Um, and <laughs> I then, love it. I and love then it sort that. of leveled out. As uh, so we, you know, we hit cruising altitude, things leveled out, and we were able to start working out you and I uh, routinely uh, via Zoom or via uh, Facetime or whatever. And then now it's I could wake up every day at five thirty in the morning and go to the gym uh, here in Boston, or we have a gym in my office, which is really cool. So sometimes I work longer shifts, and it is a nice, nice gym.
0: Oh, I bet, I bet, dude. That's that's what a what a life what a change in lifestyle, huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's made a difference. I've been able to tell my sleep schedule is more routine, um, which I didn't sleep a lot. I still don't sleep a lot, but I sleep more scheduled.
0: Not a lot. (laughs) Sure. Fair enough. At least, at least your structure. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the length in that structure is what you're trying to, you know, Tim, that's awesome because that's being really resourceful in how you are applying, you know, uh, the importance of fitness in your life you know when you were traveling that that's really good i mean i'm I'm sure you know in the middle of a storm you're there like doing your curls and stuff like you get it when you can man because yeah. if not you, those little things you just let them pass and those opportunities that you you can do something it's just uh if you let it go you don't build on habits right because you probably don't have any other time do you probably report like 12, 13 hours in a day. And in between that, it's you do what you can do. But probably the hardest thing for you in that kind of like, uh, you know, you don't know how long you're going to go for or how soon it's probably the nutrition.
1: It is. Nutrition was huge. And and there were times where if you didn't prepare, um, you would have to eat whatever you could find after a category two or category three hurricane. Um, which I don't know. Thank God for Waffle House. Everyone jokes that Waffle House is the only place that doesn't close. But even then, their menu is not their menu. So there were, I don't want to give, I don't i don't even remember the location. Actually, I do now that I say that. But I won't, <laughs> I won't give them up like that. Like, thank goodness they're always yeah, open. Yeah. But they said they were selling like cheeseburgers or something like that. And it was not a cheeseburger. It was a sausage patty, which is different than beef with um maybe some sort of bun that was a makeshift i mean it was a bun but it was not exactly a burger bun like they did what they could thank goodness for them but if you don't prepare so now at some point in time i was then learning to take food with me um or buy immediately if we were able to when we landed
0: so that was what i was going to ask you next was uh... What is, how did, what did you learn from those experiences in, in taking things with you that you could, like, what are some examples of things that you would bring with you?
1: Uh, well, as a, yeah, as a pilot, you know, this cause you can't take, a, you can't take a lot. Um, it has to be solids. It has to be solid and it has to be something that may or may not be able to meet a refrigerator for me. So that was like oranges. Um, I love hummus. So if I could take hummus, I would take hummus. Nice. Um, nice. basically those things that you eat as kids, just in a little Gerber container, but now you in the oh, adult okay. form. So sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So carrots. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Uh, oh, granola bars are huge. What are they? Uh, nice. The uh, gosh, it's Cliff Bars. That's it.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so the little things that you can get yeah, package, try to shove as many as you can into your bag to, to at least just get you through those times where if something's closed, you're not like starving. Yeah. Right? right. We all, we all know that hunger and nutrition that obviously affects our performance, our mood, everything. So, uh, yeah, man, I can't even imagine, you know, after a severe storm where there's no power and there's nothing open, shoot, man, you have to have something there to like be able to like. Lash get you through. The and day. when there is something open, let me tell you, people will find it and the lines
1: are hours long. And which, you know, and I rightfully so understand that because people are looking for a way to get nutrition. Right. I don't have time for that. I've got to go back on TV.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy to know. But I, I love learning things about this behind the scenes because we, we see the great performance that people do in front of the camera, but outside of it, Man, the, it, it, we all go through struggles. Yeah. They, they may be this different, but it's the struggles are the same. No, and this field is
1: so rewarding to work in this career. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that You everyone sees the end result, but we don't see the path that it takes to get to where we are today or what is on TV. Um, right. It, it, it gets, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, glamorized sometimes or fantasized that you're this big celebrity and you've got trucks following you and this and that. No, not, not in this right. day, maybe, maybe <laughs> back in the seventies and eighties, I don't know what it was like. I wasn't here, but, <laughs> but no, it's not, uh, there, there are glamorous moments for sure. Um, but it, there's a lot that it takes to get there.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I want to touch up on the, on the subject of fitness when we were, when we were training together for some time and, um, my main focus for you was, you know, I here we have a meteorologist that's going out in the field and is under conditions that, you know, are probably not, sometimes maybe not the safest, right? You, you, you put yourself out there where you have to report in the middle of something happening. You know, something as, as simple as a, a strong wind gust can knock you out of balance, right? And so some of those things were, you know, if, if, if you get knocked out of balance, can, you, can your body react in time? Can your body react efficiently and quickly enough to catch yourself? Injury prevention, um, you know, st- you know, kind of catch your thing and still report like if nothing happened, right? And, and um, that's kind of like how I liked to train you. It, you did your own thing in the gym. You did your own resistance. Like you were very disciplined on that. And when we did the classes together, it was my time for me to like be able to get those little things, you know, train you on that. And, and you learned a ton because you were... You, I mean, I'm still sure you you, you are still improving, but you would catch things really quick. I'm like, Tevin, and then the next week, I'm like, okay, dude, wow, you caught that on really well. Like your balance, boom, plyometric, boom. I was like, damn, this guy's good. What are you (laughs) talking about you not being athletic, man? (laughs) Well, there's a certain
1: element. So the situational awareness is one thing. Um, I think I'm always looking for ways to improve, um, be it in fitness or at work. Um, So that was... Or even when I was in school doing homework, there are always there, going through life there are always ways to improve. I know I'm not a fitness expert, so that's why I would always try to ask the question, um, because if something didn't feel right, it probably wasn't right. And even if it's something minor, you know, if you correct it, then it's much easier to correct it in that moment than wait weeks or months or years down the line. Be it for fitness, be it for things in the home or in the office. Um, so so that fitness element. I'm glad you say that. I'm a little bit more athletic than I give my, myself credit for.
0: No, absolutely, dude. When you said that, I was like, ah. that you know, that mental ability
1: though. That's athletes are agile. They're not just sports, you know, gods, but mentally, they know when I when they're doing something wrong. I used to work for a football program in Arkansas, you know, the the Razorbacks, and to to see. How they get coached on a very intricate and intimate level on the small things, because the small mistakes can add up to be bigger mistakes, so when you talk about fitness i mean that's uh, injury prevention is very important, um, but also prevention for
0: your body down the line too do you Do you find that a lot of the meteorologists who 've been in the in the industry for a long time? and I don't know this because you're the only personal mineralogist that I know. Um, do they take fitness I- into consideration a, a lot as, 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 as you do? Some of my coworkers do,
1: or some of my like colleagues in the industry do, but I would say not for everyone. It's very hit or miss. Uh, it depends on, it depends on what market you're in. It depends on how much money you have. Cause sometimes fitness is a little bit more expensive depending on what level, you know, you're trying to accomplish. Um, your home life. There are people with two or three or four kids that can't always make it a priority. Um, I would say though, for the bulk of the people that are on TV and in some of the worst of the weather, fitness is a concern. You've got to be agile. You've got to be quick on your feet. Uh, You've got to be a quick thinker. Um, I don't know how many times, I think, what is it? The average human makes 35,000 decisions a day at that moment in time, that two or three hour window, when you're in the, when you were on, God knows my head was on a swivel, making thousands of decisions every second.
0: How do you, um, so like when you're during these reports, when you, when you're out there on the field and and you had to make certain decisions, were they decisions about where am I going to go next to report? Or, and I'm sure you were probably getting a lot of information, too, from you know Central Studio or something, right? So it,
1: it's, it's different because once the storm hits, you start to lose some sort of uh, control of safety. Uh, that, that's a given. Um, so when we go into situations, be it at TWC or NBC or CBS or ABC, all of these different networks, no matter where you are, and this is a note to... All reporters are, that may be listening, even if you're not a meteorologist, you want to prioritize safety on the front end so you don't compromise it on the back end. Um, so I, we were thinking about our crew ahead of time so that the cameraman or woman and the producers are all at the safest location for them. So then that way you're minimizing risk of safety for them. And then if anyone is in the elements, it should be the meteorologist or the reporter. But even then, there are safe ways to position yourself, such that if the building starts crumbling down, which way are the do- which, what's the dominant wind flow of your hurricane? If you're you know in the front right quadrant versus the front left quadrant, are your winds from the south or are they from the north and east? All those different things, so you know that at some point, obviously rain is one thing, and you can control you know what water gets in your face a little bit. But even then, that's not really controlled it just really adds up to making sure you focus on safety first and like really first and foremost have a backup or fallout shelter we always had that um but I tried not to if I needed it that meant I was not in a good spot to begin with if that makes sense wow so you're not seeing you you don't always see that because
0: we don't have time to explain that <laughs> right so yeah dude it you know i'm glad you mentioned all that because uh When when meteorologists, you know, when we're hearing stuff about hurricanes, right? Especially here in Florida, and (laughs) they say don't go outside your house, don't do that. It's not just because the meteorologists want to say it; it's because literally, do does the does the majority of the population have contingency plans like how you guys do when you're reporting? No, no, right, exactly. And that's yeah. And so, like, that's the main reason. What safety wise, right? Like, obviously. Part of meteorologists, too is seeking out for people's safety, even though their th- their main job is to report where all this hazard is. but you know it, I think that over the years here people in Florida here are like, "Oh yeah, hurricane's coming, they don't really pay attention until the very last minute because there's obviously last minute deviations and and I get that, but um, I think meteorologists in the weather channel specifically too has done a much better job at explaining the reasons hey, we say stay inside because." Yeah. X, Y, Y, Z can happen, you know? And then people are like, oh, okay, I get it. It's just kind of like a parent saying, hey, don't do this. But if there's no reason, then the kids going to do it. it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they do it and they figure out why they should should not have done it in the first place. Right. Yeah right 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 so uh no i'm glad you mentioned that man because that's uh that's good insight for people to know and understand that and, and not just with hurricanes like dude midwest and all that stuff severe tornadoes and all that oh man, i live in new england now
1: and we obviously experience winter storms despite this winter though we've only had seven and a half inches of snow a little bit more than that this entire winter so like arkansas just got 10 inches of snow yesterday and i'm like really jealous um yeah so i hope you're not flying the little rock anytime soon Um, uh, Where was I going? Oh, New England experiences winter storms. Going back to being prepared. New England experiences winter storms every single year. That's nothing new. However, if you're out driving on the highway and you're not prepared for a whiteout snowstorm and you don't have anything nutrition, you don't have shovels, you don't have uh, ice scrapers, you don't have cat litter, you don't have salt melt in your car, you could be outside in your car with nowhere nowhere to go for 12 18 hours it happens every single year especially I, there are so many interstates that get jammed up and bottlenecked up in the middle of a storm and yeah and then
0: gas too right like, oh right yeah yeah uh, how would you say the difference is like uh, is this your first winter in in boston or second first living in boston
1: but i obviously have gone through several storms here
0: right Right, right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, well, well, I mean, that's different living living in the actual thing because you, you got to prepare like how you do. I mean, you prepare regardless, but uh, how would you say that that's your lifestyle is a little bit different in terms of that? Uh, you know, having winter storms where previously where you lived before you didn't. It was tornadoes and
1: hurricanes previously. Now it's uh, the opposite end.
0: I, you have time. You have time. You know the storm's coming. Yeah,
1: you, you've got time, but at the same time, sometimes time isn't your friend. If you, if you slack, if you don't prepare, if you know, you wait to the last minute, you're going to be at the store with everybody else trying to get gas, which thankfully we haven't had a a severe winter yet, but there's still time um, for that to occur. So I, I I know for me it's because my commute to work is almost 30 ish, 35, 40 minutes, depending on the day. Um, So now I have the element of a commute to plan for like a, Potentially a lengthy commute, depending on the scenario. Um, so you don't you have time, but you don't have a lot of time. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Well, if if you are proactive about your time, you will have it. Right. right. You yeah, know, you will definitely have it. Um, so you know what? Some of these trends that we see with winter storms being more serious certain years and others. Uh, what is that? linked to is there something that causes winter storms to be a whole lot more aggressive in some years than in not how come that happens well
1: aggressive in which way more snow more wind more rain
0: more flooding yeah, true. <laughs> true. all of those different things i would i would say with uh the the most that i hear is is it's snow like the snow and the t- and the temperature yeah. like you know i live in florida so it's like we, the temperature here is pretty, pretty constant con- yeah
1: hot and humid yep. In New England, it's different. Our winter temperatures since 1970, at the very least, uh, so the past 50 years, 50 or 60 years, have increased by about 2 degrees. So if you translate that, on average, that's to say that there could be some deviations you know, above and below that. Um, we've gone from an average winter temperature of about 30 to 31 degrees to now 32 to 33 degrees. That's not including this year, which we have really... I think we just had one of the warmest Decembers on record. So far, our winter has been fairly mild. I think it was 55 this morning. Uh, this morning. Wow. Yeah. We had, a winter, good. we had a winter storm come through yesterday. It was 55 this morning. That being said, that winter storm contained more rain than it did snow. Um, and in part, if you look at the average temperature going from below freezing to above freezing, that will deviate the sort of DNA, if you will, of that storm. And it doesn't contain that cold component. So you still, you know what an area of low pressure is. That's the storm itself. You can still get that same low through. It just may not be as cold as you'd like if you're a ski lover here uh, or a snow lover here in New England. That being said, the atmosphere, obviously, with some semblance of warming, will also sort of, uh, the let's see, what is it for every degree of warming? The atmosphere contains about 7% more moisture uh, and more moisture means the ability to hold more uh, water or I'm sorry, seven for every degree, the atmosphere contains 7% more water vapor and that water vapor will then lead to potentially rainier storms or stronger storms. But with warming, I mean, you can correlate the two.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and usually most of the time with winter stuff, uh, You know, if a storm is related with either like uh, a a cold front or a level of high pressure, it's going to be a little bit more severe, right? Uh,
1: Cold front and a high. Well, if
0: you get so if you get a high pushing
1: in behind a low, so the low and cold front is the storm itself. And the high pressure is what comes through behind it and more than likely cools things down. Um, with the front itself. That being said, if you get a very strong area of low pressure and a very strong area of high pressure, there's going to be a fight in between those both. And that's what drives a pressure gradient and the pressure gradient force then ratchets the winds up even more. So you'll, you'll hear of storms bombing out or undergoing bombogenesis, which will then mean the storm is strengthening uh, depending on what spot of the Midwest or the Northeast or new England, or maybe even, Uh, the northern high plains or central plains you are depending on where you are you could be on the receiving end of a pretty nasty and gnarly storm Uh, blizzard conditions which blizzard by the way is winds at 35 miles an hour or greater for three hours at a time with uh, 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 visibility down to a quarter of a mile or less so there's a technical definition to that too which you can't fly into that well I, I, you you can maybe land right before it starts, but at the on, on the, before the onset. But once it really kicks up, if you don't have visibility, you're not landing that.
0: I think in most the 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 obviously the visibility is obviously a concerning factor. And and to not get so so technical with with the aviation stuff, we w- there's approaches that we could do where we can land with zero visibility. Not wow. in my airplane specific, yeah. but it has airplanes capable of auto land can do a category three, uh, approach to a landing. Uh, you know, there are certain, there are certain places at airports, the airport must contain that kind of approach sure. and your aircraft must be equipped. Yeah. Of yeah. And that's probably your Northeast airports at the very least that are used to. Yeah, for sure. Chicago's yeah. definitely <laughs> one of them. And, 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 you know, but it's very interesting that you mentioned how a storm empowers in the winter, because at least for here in the more tropical area, it's, you know, a a thunderstorm gets stronger based on the the cumulative stage, right? Right. As it's building, it's doing its thing. And then it gets so high enough and it's all that power just comes right down, but it continues to power itself because the, the land itself is warm and all that convection, all that stuff is rising. So as soon as the Thunderstorm starts to you know w- you know rain hits the floor and everything it starts to cool off that kind of kills the thunderstorm. right it chokes it out yeah right but in the winter stuff it's not necessarily the case because it's a, it's already cold at the bottom right it's like it, all that it is is just two huge pressures going against each other and creating these pressure gradients that create more wind and. In, in uplifting force no
1: yeah it, well winter storms are a little bit different the the sort of mechanics if you will are more uh larger scale of a winter storm so not to so because we still get thunderstorms here in new england but not as severe because the temperatures aren't in part as strong but with winter storms specifically those are more those are cold core areas of low pressure whereas with your hurricanes. To relate the two in terms of a synoptic scale, those are a bit more similar than the average thunderstorm itself. An average thunderstorm is what on on a scale of eight to twelve hours,
0: whereas your hurricanes and winter storms last for, you know what dozens of hours to days. Right, right. And that and also that sustainability of a hurricane is through ocean it's through ocean or- heat, it's through um, surface temperatures.
1: It's through lack of wind shear. Um, and which is also a big oh, component yeah. too of for p- pilots, but also for storms. I like to think of storms as people, you and I grow, we start at the bottom and we grow taller. Well, you can't mm-hmm. tilt it over or else we're going to fall over. But what happens when you're vertically stacked, when there's no wind shear and wind shear is just right. a change of speed with height or direction with height for folks that don't understand mm-hmm. that. So if you have a wind <laughs> up here, that's going to knock you over, whether well, you're going to go down. But if you're able to grow up tall and strong, then you could become mountainous,
0: basically. uh, And this is just a personal, uh, from my gathering of information that I've seen. But hurricanes, when they get closer to us here and to the States, a lot of it depends on where a front is at the time coming from the West, right? Because that that front could either help it push it more towards, you know, back to the, the East. Or if there's no front at all, is the 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 hurricane's just going to come through? Is that kind of like sure, yeah.
1: Well, front or more so, uh, if you have a larger area of high pressure too, there are steering mechanisms, sort of like gears, um, in the lower levels of the atmosphere and the mid levels of the atmosphere where you guys fly, and then even above that too. And so there's this sort of interconnectivity of everything. But essentially, you could look as you could look at a uh, you could look at a hurricane as sort of a, a running back. For a football team, and then you've got this large area of high pressure that's a blocking high or maybe a linebacker. You're a running back and you're making it through that linebacker. Maybe so if it's a crappy linebacker or if it's a crappy area of high pressure. But more than likely, if that defensive back is there, it's not going to go through it, which sometimes may mean it's got to find an alternate path out. So if you're coming into your linebacker and you can't go through it, you got to turn and go somewhere else, which then means you may be getting a double impact or sort of some sort of pivot of the storm, which pivoting of a storm is essentially as it's coming in, and that's not pivot is not a technical term, by the way. Um, as it's coming in, it can't just you know smoothly turn. It takes a little bit of a, a of a more uh, a time constraint for that turn to occur, and then it gets carried out with the jet stream, and so that and that jet stream wind is what's ultimately going to bring in some wind shear. Uh, that's ultimately what's going to speed it out. So sometimes you'll hear you you'll hear hear of a hurricane in the Gulf or in the Atlantic uh, 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 near Florida or near North and South Carolina. But then it may pick up the pace. And also sometimes it will strengthen. If the winds in the jet stream are strong enough to carry it and to strengthen it too, if the water temperatures are still warm enough, it'll jet that thing up all the way. Wait, we just had one in Nova Scotia actually last year.
0: Dude, I remember yeah. it went really I high. I think it was Earl. It- I believe, or Fiona, don't quote me on that, but it was somewhere early yeah. in the season. Yeah, it's, um so, and obviously during the summer, the jet streams don't dip as low as they do uh, during the winter, right? Like, the jet streams kind of come a lot more down yeah. than in the winter. And um, You got two jets. There's a lower
1: level jet, which contains your moisture, uh, and there's a winter jet, the polar jet primarily, that contains your cold or the coldest of the cold air, when those two intersect, which has been very rare, I will say this season, but when they do intersect, you will get some banging storms, winter storms. But when they're separate, obviously in the summer, when the colder air retreats towards the north, you can open the gate for that lower level jet to bring in more moisture, more warmth, by the way, more milder air, and you get some really erupting storms too across the central plains, the Gulf Coast, uh, the southeast, but they're obviously summer storms or uh, tornadoes
0: hurricanes those things interesting man you have a you have a really great way of uh, of explaining things I know I've said this through the podcast but damn it's good it's good you've you've gotten a lot of accomplishments man and i want to point out one that you did uh that you got a couple years ago the you were nominated within the forbes under 30 yeah 30 under 30 that 30 under 30. I
1: just squeaked in by the way i just turned 30 so I'm no longer eligible for that list anymore
0: <laughs> oh man, well, we got to do the one under 40 then. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's what was that experience like? Uh, you you went to go to to, perci- to participate in it, but how did you uh how did they reach out to you? How did you even qualify? So for I don't
1: know, I, someone nominates you um and then from there you find out you're nominated and then from there there's like this I don't know, it's like a 12-page Google uh, spreadsheet, Google document type thing where you have to answer a lot of questions. Some questions don't apply to you, but I look at it as a, as a job resume where even if it doesn't apply to you, you, try to either make it apply or put in A or something like that, but never leave it blank. Um, so then that way they know there's intent with why you left it blank and if they want to ask more about it, they can. But anyway, you do that questionnaire uh, after someone nominates you and then you just forget about it. You pray that you actually get approved Uh, and yours truly uh, got approved and got uh, into the 2021 class, 2022 class. I forget how the year, the the year scheme works. So this was 2023. So I was 2022. Yeah. Yeah. We went to New York to meet so many people young in their professions who are not, I, I think there was... There was no meteorologist, but there was a, a couple of other network reporters within NBC, uh, one of my friends, Shaquille Brewster. Um, but there are a lot of people who are doing things to make the world a better place that are young. And it's so difficult. I don't know why it's difficult for society to grasp on to younger people to lead the charge to to ultimately get this world to a much better place, um, you know, you're young yourself you get told oh you have to wait your turn you have to wait in line i say screw that we've been waiting long if you wait in line you're going to miss an opportunity
0: i agree that's uh what an incredible opportunity and experience to just be there and and i'm sure the amount of connections and the great people that you get to meet because everybody there is like you have some sort of similar mindset right Where, where you get to meet all these people and that's uh that's a very rewarding and humbling experience man that's, that's thank you awesome. It
1: was and there are a lot of people who aren't on the list who are doing even greater things too and and those people deserve recognition as well um and i that's why I'm very honored to be uh, on that list, but man, I want to meet the people who are doing things that aren't on the list too you know, which is why I work in my field
0: <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, absolutely it's it's uh you know what y- you the type of personality that you have, usually you, you will attract that same kind of people around you too. And, and you'll know, you'll know who you can vibe with better. Yeah. And then you can create better relationships. You can create better, uh, networking. And it's, it's just all about the law of attraction too, with, with what you're putting out there.
1: Yeah. I, there was, I, I'm glad we got on this topic. I just met someone about two weeks ago, I was at a conference in Denver for the American Meteorological Society. And this person older loves her job. And I'll tell you what she does, and I and I'll tell you why too. So she works, she works with communities of color and kids of color who have been essentially incarcerated um, in juvenile detention centers in Oregon. And she goes in and teaches them weather. But she does it in a way that they are part of the process of gathering data from the rain gauge or measuring temperature for the day. Something so small that, of course, we have sensors that can do, but we also depend on community partners as well. And those kids are allowed to be community partners and they feel like they are doing something so monumental because they are. When they could give up, when the odds are stacked against them, of course, before they're incarcerated and while they're incarcerated too, she goes in, she teaches them meteorology and now they're community partners with the National Weather Service in their region too. So they're actually ambassadors for the National Weather Service there. I again, these are stories of people that are doing far better things and far cooler things than me that mean so much to to the world.
0: Yeah. Man, if there is anything that is empowering is obviously the, the the contributing to the greater good yeah. right that's very very empowering but also how you do that and and if it's through education yeah you will have so much power the power of your mind through being educated and you nobody can take that away from you knowledge is something that you have and 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 the more you get of it the better well rounded you are the better things you can do with your life the more options you have to be resourceful And there's no better way to give back than, than through educating, which is something that people with great minds do it. You do that, which is awesome, dude. I see your videos where you're just like teaching things and and explaining things. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember learning that, but it's cool because I haven't seen that in a (laughs) long time and it may click something for me later on down the road, you know, and it science and math, dude. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah i love it well dude Te- tevin thank you so much man for uh being on today's episode you are a wonderful wonderful person thank you. achieving great things and so much more to go please everyone if you are listening to this episode find tevin at tevin wooten on social media instagram facebook uh tiktok all of that and check him out on NBC 6 in NBC10. boston you won't NBC10, Ten. Ten. sorry, in Miami. sorry. Ten. <laughs> they're, they're still our sister partner, so
1: it's all good. Sister Station there in Miami. Yeah, there you the go. same company.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I watch it down here, you know. So <laughs> well, NBC10 in Boston, you guys know it. For sure, when I'm over there, I will be definitely letting you know when I'm there, man. I'd love to finally hang out, meet in person and just go get some coffee, do some workouts, do something, man. Next
1: flavor, you got it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tevin, thank you so much, man. I really thank appreciate you. you and everything that you do. Rock on, brother. Thank you. All right. See ya. <laughs>